All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check when the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you for joining us this week for episode 116 of the Canucks Conversation, presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Series 1 is just around the corner, and I am damn excited to start pulling some of those young guns. Now joining me, fresh off of a Warzone win with a Sniper is just buzzing right now, David Quadrelli. Quads, how's it going, buddy? Good, but before we get to the Warzone, I've got some bad news for you, Chris. Are you aware that this is actually episode 117? Because I, my my bad here, I mislabeled the episode with Jack Rathbone. I put it as episode, like, in all my files, it says 115. When I uploaded the episode, I put 116. So, 
This is actually episode 117, unless you want to go back an episode, which I don't think we will. So I think, much like episode 40, while we await Elias Pettersson to finally come on this very podcast, I think we'll have to kind of leave 115 on its own, and just maybe one day, we'll save it for a rainy day, we'll do episode 115. It's a lost episode. Yeah, you would like to think that, but I did notice that you messed up the title and the number, so I went back and changed it. So that is episode 115, and this is episode 116. Well, there you um, go. So we don't That's have to, to skip anything. Yeah, I got you covered, man. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to let those uh, those little mistakes slow down the train. So um, <laughs> we don't have a lot of Canucks news this week. Um, obviously, there's not a lot going on. It's going to be a tough couple of weeks. We're going to try and do most of these uh, most of the podcasts for the next little bit are going to feature interviews with people. I know I got a fun one um, coming next week with somebody from the WHL. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're just going to try and mix it up and have some conversations because, yeah, we, we could start to set stuff up for training camp. But honestly, there's not really a lot of news going on for the Vancouver Canucks specifically. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with prospects, and we're going to get to that after our interview. But I might as well mention who our guest is this week. This week we are joined by TSN 1040's. Matt Sakaris back on the show. It's been a long time since Sakaris was on the show, um, so we're excited to get him back on. The interview was um, it was tough because we did it through a three-way phone call. You mm-hmm. and I, with the COVID numbers rising and you being far away, we've tried to social distance as much as possible. So apologies if we're if we talk over each other a couple times. I know it happens a little bit at the start of the interview, but I think after you know we kind of catch the flow of it, it gets a little bit better. So bear with us bear with us on the interview. It gets better as it goes. But what did you think of our chat with Matt, Dave? It was good, but it was interesting because Matt was even talking. Like I asked him about the Nate Boyer interview, which everybody should go listen to uh, for sure. Former Seahawks long snapper. But I asked Matt Matt about that. I almost called him Matt Sakaris. I asked Matt about that that interview <laughs> And he said something that I that kind of caught my interest. He was like, you know, nine years together, Blake and I know each other's like body language. They have a few nonverbal uh, cues for each other sort of thing. And they're kind of looking at each other when that interview was happening. Uh, and I think it's the same thing with you and I. Like, we're very good at not speaking over each other when we're actually in person. Like, especially when we're doing an on-the-phone interview. Like, you and I are good at that. And we have a lot of nonverbal communication that goes on at this point. But, man, was it tough over the phone. Holy cow. And then mm-hmm. I wasn't even recording. Like, I'm on the phone. It's, yeah, we're going to have to we're gonna have to try and get back on the, uh, back on the good old roadcaster when we can. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. The audio comes out better through there, but uh, just didn't end up working out for each of our schedules. But yeah, it, it was fine. Um, I also thought it was pretty funny. Like, we communicate through a messenger normally to, like, say who's going to ask the next question. And you had a spider. Uh, I don't know where it was crawling around, but you had to, like, you were supposed to ask the next question, but then a spider you had to go kill or something. Yeah, so I quickly messaged you. I was like, you go, you go, you go. I got I to gotta kill this spider. So I quickly muted my mic killed the spider and because it was in my room and i was like recording on my bed so the spider was like near my bed and that just wasn't gonna fly you know i don't like spiders so <laughs> i immediately uh muted the old mic killed it and then Karis wasn't very happy with that but that's a that's a funny little part of the interview <laughs> yeah i'm sure people will enjoy that that's for sure uh so yeah like I don't know. Is there any Canucks news that you wanted to touch on before we get into the interview? Like anything that you wanted to get into? Because uh, we're going to talk about um, some prospects later. We're going to get into Arthur Sillows a little bit with you. Uh, I know you just wrote the piece on him, mm-hmm. and he's currently playing for the national team for Latvia as well. So um, we'll get into him a little bit later. But we'll, we'll kind of do that like we normally do in our prospects report to wrap up the episode. So unless there's anything that you want to get into right now, um, I guess we could just throw to our interview with Matt Sakaris because that's going to be chocked full of Canucks talk if we want want to just go right into it do you have anything quads well other than people need to go watch your twitch streams because we are just <laughs> buzzing right now like my sniping was just on like we're, we're recording this fresh after a win we played two games we finished fifth place in the first one and then we won the second one like that doesn't that doesn't normally happen for chris and i and it just no. man I'm, I'm pumped like we're hopping right back on right away and we're gonna we might have to get a little streaming schedule there a little canucks combo twitch yep yeah, we can definitely work on something. It's fine. It took a while. You know, I felt like an idiot as I'm learning from like a 13 year old on YouTube how to set up the Twitch stream. Like, <laughs> I had to watch YouTube videos to figure out how to get my video going and how to get your audio involved. But uh, we figured it all out and it's all going now. So that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm a streamer now. So, if you want to follow along, uh, you can go. I think it's twitch.tv 
slash Chris Faber 39. Like same as my Twitter account. It's just twitch.tv. Uh, if you guys ever want to tune in and, and yeah, I'm going to start to upload some clips on there. I figured out how to do that pretty easily actually. So uh, we got the clip of our first dub on there. So yeah, we've won 50% of our games so far uh, on the stream. So that's a pretty good uh, rate. I might have to put like a board up or something to say how many we've won on stream. I don't know. I'll have to figure something out. The fact that we can already tally one on there after two games, that's pretty good. We're batting 500 right now, Chris. Absolutely. We're off to a good start. And uh, speaking of a good start, why don't we continue on right into a good conversation now uh, with Matt Sakaris. So we'll just throw right into that interview. We'll see you guys on the other side. I think the interview is just over 30 minutes. Uh, And then we'll meet you guys on the other side, do a little bit of a prospects breakdown, and then send you on your way for your weekend. So uh, let's get to a couple of ads quickly, and then we'll throw to Matt Sakaris. And before we go any further, just wanted to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation podcast, Zephyr Epic, Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. We open a lot of hockey cards for them, and you can too. You can use promo code CanucksConvo for $5 off your order. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, so take advantage of that. Again, that is promo code CanucksConvo at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms, on Twitter, Instagram, and join them on Twitch every Thursday for weekly case break giveaways. Chris and I have a lot of fun doing these. You guys should check them out as well. We've been having a lot of luck. We opened a lot of Quinn Hughes cards, and now we're doing the DiPietro diving. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram opening hockey cards at random times. It's really hard to find out when we're going to do it because we don't really know when we're going to do it. But be on the lookout for that and make sure you go buy yourself some hockey cards, whatever cards you need from Zephyr Epic. Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. And before we go any further, just want to give a quick shout out to one of the sponsors of the Canucks Conversation, Mike's Heart Lemonade. And if you guys are looking for a zero sugar, zero carbs, and also 7% vodka drink, look no further than Mike's Harder Zero. They have three different flavors right now, lemon, lime, and cherry, with apparently more flavors just around the corner. Uh, so with zero sugar, zero carbs, natural flavor, and 7% vodka, this crisp vodka soda packs the perfect amount of juicy, tart flavor with a bit more vodka. So you only got to drink two of these to get drunk quads. That's exciting for you. All right, guys, joining us now, returning guest. It feels like it's been over two years, pretty much, since he's been on the show, though. Host of Sakaris and Price, the late show on TSN 1040, Matt Sakaris. Matt, how you doing? Good evening, guys. Has it been that long? Really? Yeah. Maybe not wow. two years, but it feels like it's it feels like two years the way with that. Yeah, uh, COVID years, right? You, you yeah. know, I've, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm glad to be back. I think you guys were one of the first um, fan blogs or podcasts or vlogs that I did. So, mm-hmm. um, so thanks for having me back. I guess I didn't screw it up too bad last time. <laughs> no, absolutely. It feels like maybe it feels like two years because I feel like I used to text into the show every single day for that's it. <laughs> what felt Maybe like forever, and it's been a while since I've done that now, too. That's right, although uh, Quadrelli can't say the same. He is uh, not the same level of contributor that you are. Favor, <laughs> I just, were, I just I started typing in. Were. Apparently you're uh, busy with school or something like that. So you say. So anyways, uh, don't worry, we're not too hurt. The show has carried on, and... Uh, for, guys, honestly, uh, congratulations on your success. Like I see you all over Canucks Twitter and engaging with uh, uh, with many factions there. So, uh, so well done to both of you. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's been a fun ride so far, and you know, Dave and I now with Dave being the managing editor at Canucks Army, it's been nice to kind of build up as a duo, uh, and mm-hmm. being in the same program at BCIT just kind of even the more. Walking in uh, gigantic footsteps there, Quadrelli, <laughs> when you look yes. at who the editors of Canucks Army have been. I'd like some better than others, frankly, but uh, um, many of them, of course, uh, have become uh, pretty significant voices in our market. So, yeah, there we'll you go. No pressure. That list. Yeah, yeah exactly. Don't screw that. Live up to uh, live up to the hype that everybody's laid out for exactly. me. Exactly. Exactly. I'm a football player. Um, who played for a high school that was undefeated for like four or five, six years in a row or something like that. And then his class lost the first game in like seven or eight years. 
And so everybody who went to that high school says, oh, you were part of that one class, right? <laughs> so, Davey, you want to be part of that one class, right? Um, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> enormous, enormous future ahead, I'm sure. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave doesn't like to brag, but he is the youngest uh, managing editor in history. I'll, I'll throw that in for there you. There we go. There we go. There's some cover letter material, right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, well, well, um, I see you guys all the time on Twitter and engaging uh, in uh, you know some of the fun we have and some of the big con- uh, conversations we have about the team. So. Absolutely. Happy to exchange uh, perspectives with you here tonight. You betcha. We're excited to get you back on, Matt. Uh, we're really going to start way off the board with uh, my first question for you. Uh, Dave and I just recorded a Patreon episode. It's a bonus episode that we don't really talk much sports on. We like to rip into weird ideas and, and get people's opinion on it. So I wanted to get yours, Matt. Um, okay. I'm curious what you do when the last time you made craft dinner was. Do you oh, put milk in there? Uh, okay, so I, I haven't done it in a while. My girlfriend does make it occasionally. I've stopped eating it because it, it's uh, it doesn't uh, sit well. It doesn't digest well with me. <laughs> I'm gonna guess it has something to do with the powdered cheese, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is no substance on earth that is naturally organically that color, and then it's reduced <laughs> into a powder form. So. I'm going to bet something in that process doesn't sit well with me, so I don't need a lot of it anymore. When I made it, it was a splash of milk and a fair bit of butter. Mm. I wanted that creaminess to it. Uh, I certainly didn't like the soupy KD. Like, who could, yeah. Who, yeah, I mean, you know, who abides the soupy KD? So, um, so the answer to the question is yes, but I probably put a lot less of it than most people do. Fair enough. I, I, I stay away from the milk. It's something that we had a discussion about on the show. And uh, uh, Dave says a splash. I think he sits in the same boat as you. Uh, but uh, I'm going to go extra butter and make it nice and creamy. <laughs> uh, Matt, one of the things that uh, that was kind of funny, it's something that I love hearing on your show. Uh, when you talk about the early days of yourself, you know, being in school or coming out of school, uh, and as Dave and I are in that spot right now as we're talking about craft dinner, what's one of the food hacks that you learned being a starving student back in those days? So I was very fortunate in that I went to school in the same, in my hometown. So mm. the first, uh, I actually spent five years there because I'm a little dumb uh, and because I was uh, doing some extracurriculars. But um, so for four of the five years, I lived at home. Mm. And the good news there was, well, my mom's a good cook, although she was still in a business back then, so she wasn't around a lot of nights. But my brother was on the verge of going to culinary school or in culinary school. Um, so there were a lot of evenings that, you know, because of his very expertise and uh, the fact that he was the youngest, but my dad would, I would just boss him and say, you're making dinner tonight. Um, so <laughs> the one year that I didn't live at home when I was in school, I, uh, for the most part, lived at the office, at my office and at my girlfriend's house. I'm not the right guy to ask for the food hacks <laughs> um, to say, uh, you know, but there's a few things. I'm all, I'm making a cold cut plate. I can take a little salami, a little cheese, a little nice bread, and I'm good. Hmm. Uh, you know, maybe a pickle or two. So, you know, I'm good with that sort of thing. Uh, and that those sorts of things were staples um, uh, early, early in my professional life. Now, Matt, I know you were uh, giving favor at Craft for not texting into the show, but we do listen to the show, and I did want to talk about an interview that you did a few other uh, a few days ago. I applaud you guys for doing it. It was an interview with Nate Boyer, uh, and uh, yeah, unbeknownst to you guys, he was going through something as soon as he came on to do the show, but I thought that was a fantastic interview, and I think just for our listeners who maybe haven't heard the interview yet, uh, if you could just kind of shed some light on that interview. Well, um, we booked him in, uh, frankly, a very listening spot, the Jeff Patterson spot at 510. Um, because, you know, we were going off to our evening and uh, the audience at that point is going home typically. And I think everyone was in Seattle and watched the election. So there's a uh, former Green Beret, former Seahawk, and uh, one time for a counselor of Colin Kaepernick. And, uh, he was the guy who said to Kaepernick, don't sit during the anthem, you should kneel. It's a more respectful religious posture. So we've had a boyer on the show, I want to say three times in the intervening uh, three or four years. 
and uh, we bring them on. And I said, you know, so much going on. I just want to know where your headspace is at right now. And he says, do you really want to know, like, honestly, what's front of mind? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> like, right off the bat, his first answer, it kind of makes it weird. Right? Yeah, like, Blake yeah. and I are sort of looking at each other. And, you know, we've got a lot of unspoken communication after nine years. And we're like, okay. And he immediately admits that he's in the midst of a breakup with a girlfriend. Um, at one point even sort of suggests, you know, it's his fault that he's responsible for it. Talks about how sad he is, starts getting emotional, and then um, sort of brings it back about how, uh, you know, maybe sitting there watching the divide of America in this presidential election wasn't the best thing for him at that moment. Um, And yet he was doing it, guys, with the tone, and I'm sure you'd agree, David, that uh, it wasn't so dire as that you thought you were listening to a guy having like an emotional breakdown or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There was still a, like a little bit of a performance theater to it, and like you know, Nate, and I mean that in a radio way. Like you know, Nate's done hits before. Nate understands that when you do commercial radio, you gotta crank up the personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was giving it his best college try on that, and. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of emotion, and um, it sort of set the tone, and we certainly got on to the election. We certainly got on to, you know, role of sports and some other things uh, that's going on in America right now. And, um, yeah, by the end, I think he said something along the lines of, but this is one of the best hits that I've done, you know, maybe sort of note of the rawness of everything that was coursing in him for those uh, 12, 15 minutes. So, yeah, no, I said to Blake, as soon as it was over, soon as it was over uh, we've done a lot of interviews in nine years on the show, and I can't remember one of them uh, that you could call a comparable to this one with Boyer. Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy to get that much emotion out of someone through a phone, right? But it seems like sometimes yeah. it, it just happens naturally, I guess. And, like, the thing was is, you know, at one point I passed the interview off, the questioning off to Blake, and I'm listening to him, and I have, like, my finger perched above the talkback button, which would, you know, to get into the uh, ear of our producer, Andrew Wadden. And I'm a second away from getting on the talkback and saying, you know, Andrew, drop what you're doing. Quick call here. Is this guy in an emotional state to be on the air right now? Mm-hmm. Um you know, because you don't want to, you know, you, uh, you don't want to prey on anybody, right? Like, you don't yeah. want to, uh, you know, use uh, them when they're in a bad spot. And yet, boy, a lot of things were racing through my head during the interview because uh, I was also wondering, like, okay, is this guy okay? But he mentioned he was at his buddy's house, so I was like, okay, that's a big sign. He's in tears and bearing his soul here to some degree. Uh, but he's with somebody and, you know, each and every time I thought he was getting close to the edge, he brought it back and mm. you know, made a really coherent, smart point as is Nate Boyer's lawn. Like he is that type of guy. And, uh, um, so we finished the interview and, uh, and the audience feedback was terrific. So thank you, David. I appreciate you, uh, bringing that up. Um, cause that's, you know, that's one of the things that like that I try and do on the show. Um, yeah, I you appreciate know, do sports and have fun and, you know, all that. You know, but there should be, uh, you know, some moments of gravitas. There should be some moments of things that, you know, affect you uh, on a human level that is, you know, just the toy department of life. Most Absolutely. One of the uh, one of the things that you guys have been able to do at 1040 over the years um, is speak to Canucks players after they leave as well. Some of these interviews, I find them to be very interesting mm. because maybe they get a little bit more honest. Like it seems like they always praise the city, yeah. praise the organization. Yeah. But what did you yeah. learn maybe from the ones that we did this year that you guys uh, did on 1040? Um, so I'm just sitting here trying to think because I'm not sure any of them happened on our show. No, I think right before Cause I know, you I, Yeah, because I know Tanoff and uh, – Stetcher did Saturday, right? They did Andrew Wan on Sports right. Saturday or, or Rink. Did they do with Andrew or Andrew and J.D. Burke? I don't know. They did them on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Markstrom did Donnie and the Moj. And uh, who am I missing here? Stetcher. Oh, Toffoli. Yeah. Toffoli done. Uh, yeah, anyways, whatever. Um, 
So you're asking me what I learned from listening to them? Yeah, I'm uh, curious. Just, it's a different type of interview, it feels like. Like, after you've dealt with them as a media member in your city, and now they're leaving, like, yeah. what do you find different in those kind of interviews? Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, first of all, you're right. I mean, it's always a little bit different when the player goes on to another team because at that point, you know, you're you're not covering him or his team per se, right? Like, and they understand that. So there can oftentimes be a distinction uh, there. You know, also you want to say, uh, you know, goodbye, farewell, you know, thanks for the memories and stuff, right? And oftentimes uh, athletes really want to do it because they want to be able to say goodbye to the community at large and catch fans and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, great observation, Chris. I take the edge off it, uh, unquestionably. And, yeah, I think it's fair to say the players are uh, usual a little bit more like they can speak freely when they're outside of the Canucks auspices and they don't have Vancouver radio interview. Mm-hmm. On that note, Matt, the Canucks saw a lot of faces leave the organization this offseason. Just from your perspective, like we know they missed out on Spectre. They were probably smart to let Tanev and Mark Sherm go. But just mm-hmm. from your perspective, like how do you grade the Canucks offseason thus far? Well, I would push back on they were probably right to let Mark Sherm go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanoff, we agree wholeheartedly. I thought it was far too rich for Kraft. He gets hurt, hurt too much. He doesn't give you anything offensively. Um, Markstrom is a big roll of the dice because you're not exactly sure. Holtby has not been good for some period of time here. 31 could easily turn around, but big bet on that. And, of course, Demko, the sample size is small, and it's not like the sample size before those three terrific games of playoffs was, you know, uh, lock stock. He's a future NHL starter. So I, I think you're demonstrably worse in role as it stands right now. You could be as good. You could be better. But right now, think of how many times Jacob Marshall saved their bacon last year. Think of the way they play and the way that Jacob plays, which I think was hand in, uh, in glove. Mm. And while I didn't like the uh, contract that Bartram signed in Calgary, I do think he would have settled for less than that here mm. in Vancouver. I think they could have worked with him on no move clause in the final year, no trade clause in the final year, something like that. And I don't necessarily think it would have been as rich as $6 million per year. I think they could have got him on a, uh, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars less per year sort of thing. So, um, no, I mean, overall, the offseason hasn't been great i think you can say they're objectively worse on paper than what they finished with um losing out on Toffoli was uh given the contract he signed in montreal i mean i, I was somewhere in between the marstrom uh and tanif uh, contracts on the Toffoli contract i thought there's some value there early on i think that said tyler has had some really big uh, peaks and valleys in his career and he's not exactly fleet of foot, and um, the NHL quickens, I think, every year. Now, I think Defoe's a good fit with Pedersen. I think he's a really good hash marks down player with some really, uh, really good set of hands and eyes. Uh, he's good in tight spaces, close quarters. Uh, but, uh, you know, so losing him hurts because you're not as good in the top six, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, Schmidt, I think, salvaged it basically, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, but overall, I don't think they're as good in goal. I don't think they're as good uh, offensively in the top six. And I don't think they have the depth that they had last year. So when I put all those three things together, I uh, I can't necessarily uh, say I'm thrilled about this offseason for the Canucks, no. Now, on that note, I think you and I kind of agree in the sense of, you know, the, the Marshall deal in Calgary is a bit much. But I'm curious what you think, because, you know, I think we'll, we'll both agree that the Canucks are objectively better if they keep Marshall for next year at the very least. Yeah. What do you think a good contract that the Canucks could have signed with Marshall would have been? Like, what, if you were the so, GM, yeah. Yeah. what so, point would you walk away? Here, here's the thing. I think he would have worked with you on trade protection. I think he would have worked with you on money. Six years, I think, was something um, that you would have had to have given up. But here's the thing. Give up the six years. You want a lower average annual value anyways because you're trying to sell your, uh, sign your studs next year who are going to eat up a ton of your cap. So, you know, you already know 
you're into the contract for a lot of money and a lot of term when you're looking at a player like Jacob Markstrom. So give up the sixth year, bite the bullet on that, uh, try and make it a buyout proof, uh, a, a contract you can buy out if worse comes to worse. He's going to give you on the no move clause on the sixth year, and I would bet he would have given you down to about five point five per, maybe five six, five seven, something like that. Um, but you know, what are they playing Holby? So four one, something like that. Yep. Yeah, around. Um, so I think for an extra one point four to one point seven million dollars, you could have had Armstrong. And granted, on a lot more term, but over the next two years, it would have cost you an extra million and a half dollars to have Marstrom and know rather than have Holtby and be guessing a little more right now. It's tough because you have a guy like Thatcher Demko, right, who's turning you know 24 years old right now, 25 next season. That's, that's yeah. the age where these guys that are elite goaltender prospects seem to turn into starters, right? So, like, that situation makes it hard to invest in a six-year deal specifically without having him being able to, you know, be put into the expansion draft situation. That's just the only thing for me. No, no, but, but Faber, it didn't need to be that way. Like, first of all, don't you need to see Demko before you commit to him long-term? They're going to see it now. They're going to see it now. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. But by no means, if I'm signing the Marstrom contract, do I view Thatcher Demko as my goaltender of the future? You're done. You're committed mm-hmm. to Marstrom. And how do you stick handle the expansion draft? Well, you got a couple options. You can trade him immediately in the offseason. Um, and look, he's on a contract that nobody would have blinked at, right? Like very tradable contract, very tradable asset. Yeah. Uh, or, and Benning talked a lot about this at the end of the year, you keep on both in the next season. You make the call at next year's trade deadline. And if you still think you've got need two goaltenders you wait till the end of next year and then you try and make the deal before the expansion draft so i thought there were several places along the way where they could have made use of thatcher damco as a trade asset or you know keep them around for the full pull and then sort your business after the season granted that's a little riskier but for me there was no real scenario whereby you were going to keep Demko and lose him in the expansion draft um so, yeah, no, I mean, I I thought there was a way uh, to have your cake and eat it too with the, uh, with the goaltenders I guess going the thing, in the offseason. Yeah, I guess the thing for me is when I look at it and I look at the way that the Canucks make decisions with their goaltending group, whether it's who they're drafting, you know, free agents that they're signing, I feel like a lot of that's on Ian Clark. And if we are going to be the opinion throughout the league is that Ian Clark is one of the best, if not yeah. the best, goaltender coach – if he's the one leading that decision to say, no, we're comfortable moving forward with Thatcher Demko as a starter right now, like, do you need to trust in the best goaltender coach in the league? Because that seems to be the opinion that they're moving off of and rolling with into next season. Uh, I think you have to take it under great advisement, but let's understand this is a goaltending coach, not the general manager. Mm -hmm. The goaltending coach makes recommendations. The general manager makes decisions. And I don't necessarily feel like it was Ian Clark's call. I'd be very surprised at that because Jim Benning is someone who does like and use his authority. Um, Because this affects more than just the crease, right? You're committing money to the goaltender in Markstrom, which means you have less of it to go around through your skaters, or you're trying to save some of that money to be able to. So it's all well and good to say Ian Clark thinks this or Ian Clark thinks that, but that's got to be an opinion that fits into the greater puzzle. Mm. And um, that is always something that is only going to be a recommendation, not a decision. Good stuff, Matt. Good stuff. I, yeah, we, we appreciate that because this is a conversation we've had for the last two weeks well, here on this. Yeah, and <laughs> like, I, know, I know sometimes, like, you know, uh, Ian Clark has gotten notable as a goaltending coach. Lawrence Gilman was once notable as assistant general manager. Heck, John Wasbon is now as assistant general manager. And it seems like just because they have some name recognition, people, cannot, some Canucks fans, some people who follow the team, think they make decisions, right? Like think they're in charge of a silo and come to uh, you know the final decision. Well, you know, that's not typically how it works. Hmm. 
uh, just because they, in fact, more often than not, guys you don't hear about in the media as often are guys who are making decisions to team presidents and owners. Yeah. Uh, right? As, a, as opposed to goaltending coaches and AGFs. Absolutely. I'd like to, to switch it up a little bit now and get to something that, you know, we, we hear so much about a cap. Quadrelli is giggling like he just won some high ground on you, Faber. <laughs> no, Dave. Uh... <laughs> Quadrelli gives me the sense that he's got something he's going to spike the football. He, uh, he is currently <laughs> killing a spider. Uh, he is telling me in the chat right now. He says, you ask a question, I got to kill a spider. So that, I killed it. I already killed it. <laughs> Quadrelli, you left your broadcast location to kill a spider? I'm still in my broadcast location. The spider came into my location, so I killed the spider. I don't know what they're teaching you at BCIT. <laughs> you never get off the microphone to kill <laughs> a spider. All right? Well, that you microphone people is that. your best friend. That microphone is a better friend to you than that spider is an enemy of yours. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, we're learning all the good stuff here uh, on a conversation with Matt. Forget, forget no, BCIT. No, no, that's not the good stuff. <laughs> that's the stuff that should go unspoken. <laughs> all right, Matt, I want to mix it up a little bit now and talk about um, the two big contracts coming up for Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Obviously, we're expecting huge money for these guys, but you've seen a lot of deals go through with players in this age. But it's it's tough to really find a comparable for both these guys in the day and age that we're in, and it's almost mm-hmm. impossible to think about what it could look like in a COVID world. How do you kind of see this yeah. contract situation playing out into next year? Uh, well, first of all, you're right about the comparables. I thought I saw one uh, or a couple on both guys that are at least like near the ballpark, if not in the ballpark. Um, and you're right about the COVID-19 world and how that is going to be, um, how that affects, uh, matters. Uh, COVID certainly affected the market this year, but understand there's a difference between the unrestricted marketplace and refining your franchise corner cornerstones, right? Like, um, COVID affects the UFA marketplace a lot more than it's going to affect, how much the two best players on your team, two of the best players in the league, are going to get paid? Right. Um, they're going to get paid. They're going to get paid massively, um, and they should get paid. There's the reason why you win games. Um, <laughs> so, um, my sense is is that there is not going to be and. We don't know, right? Like we're so far out, so many things can happen financially in the world and in the NHL between now and then. But my sense, as we, uh, my sense as we speak here in, in November, is that they are both going to hit really big jackpots. I think Pedersen's going to hit a bigger one than Hughes. Mm-hmm. Hughes is not quite the RFA status that Elise is. Yeah. Not that it makes that big a difference at this stage of the game, because the fact of the matter is you want both guys and you want both guys on a long term right like that's ideal here is to you know and i'm not sure um i'm not sure they're gonna be able to do both and i do think if it comes down to one or the other in terms of who gets more paid it's going to be elias getting the most money um and i have a feeling elias may ask for the most money uh i have a feeling you know that that might be important to his camp um, compared to Hughes, but that's just me spitballing. Uh, we'll see. But um, you know, I certainly think Elias could be ten million plus. Mm-hmm. And Matt, on the topic of getting paid, look, we know the COVID world has everybody. You know, these are unprecedented times, completely. But with Travis Green's contract going into this year, and he could be a lame duck coach. Do you think that's fair to him? I think it's a long way from getting to there. Long way. Um, and so I almost don't want to answer the second part. But if okay. you must know, yes. You signed a contract. It runs for a certain amount of time. It hasn't expired. I know industry culture is to do an extension. I certainly think the Canucks should do an extension. I can understand why Travis Green wants to do an extension. Um, but it's not like the earth is going to stop rotating if they don't do an extension. And it's not like Travis Green won't be the head coach of this hockey club unless that creates so much friction that there's a divorce between them. 
I do think COVID-19 affects this salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse me. And I think that because, um, well, you're not coaching a game anytime soon. And a coach's marketplace is not like a player's marketplace where there's only, you know, so much skill and you got to go out and get against others for it. I mean, I think Travis is a good young coach, but don't get me wrong, fellas. Like, I don't think teams are firing their head coach to hire Travis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, you know, like, you know, was the Canadians a few years ago fired their head coach because Claude Julian became available? No one's yeah. doing that for Travis Green right now. Yeah. Um, he's had good success here this past year. He didn't really have much of a chance the first two years. I think he deserves to be paid more. But you had no live audience coming in. You're losing money uh, at this stage of the game for Time Sports Entertainment. He's management. He's not a player. Uh, if you're drawing lines, this is a line to draw on. And you may have to say to him, Travis, like, we got to wait and see what our financial future looks like a little bit more before we uh, can commit a dollar, fact, a dollar or term to you. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I think the interesting thing that you can do with coaches is there's no way that you can – I mean, there's not really any restrictions on what that contract can look like, really. I mean, you can give them a lot of bonuses for playoff wins. You can get to certain situations with season wins, what they do. So it's going to yeah. be an interesting uh, – I think it's going to be yeah, longer guys, than it would have I, I wouldn't taken. worry about that. Uh, yes, Faber, you're right. Mm-hmm. This falls outside of the salary cap. Yeah. It's his, it's his home province team. Yeah. Okay, it's the West Coast, and he's, you know, his family's down in Orange County, and, uh, you know, he's got a, a child, he's, you know, he's got children, and, a, and one in particular that's special needs. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that line up right here for Trapstream wanting to be here and wanting to be here long term and built with this young core. Absolutely. Um, so I think at the end of the day, you know, if they're getting quibbly over a small amount of money, because of COVID or not, I, I, I think there's a deal to be made here. Um, Travis will make a good buck. You know, he'll get a chance to coach in his home province, a good young team that he started out with, including down at the minor league affiliate. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not entirely panicked on the Travis Green contract, though I do think it could linger. Yeah. I think it could be, uh, I, you know, I think it could be one of these lingering storylines for them as we go through the sauces. All right, Matt, let's do something that teams with good winning records obviously do, and that's discuss the third pairing. Uh, for the Vancouver Canucks going into this training camp, it's going to be very interesting with guys like Ole Levy, Jack Rathbone, Brogan Rafferty, Jordy Ben. we got a lot of different players that are in the mix to play on that third pairing. Do you think yeah. Travis Green goes with more of the veteran group, or can you see one of these rookies hopping right in and playing on this team? Like, What does the third wow. pairing look like to you? Uh, I do think Ole Levy is going to be given every opportunity to win the uh, job on the left side. And I think depending on his success or failure on that, you've got Ben as an option on either side, but I think he would be next man up if Levy fails to secure it on the left side. Um, I mean, Rick Dollywell tells me Jalen Jadfield's thinking about going to Europe to play. Um, and, you know, maybe that means he's back in time to join the country at some point. Maybe that means he's no longer an option. It may seem to feel like broken laughing. He requires some more defensive development. Otherwise, I think he could have been a more already uh, in that return to play uh, business. And uh, who am I missing here? I guess Jack Rathbone would be the last one that's an option. Yeah, well, I mean, he'd be the big surprise, and he'd get the market excited. Uh, he's a lefty, though, right? Um, which, you know, for me means you still have an issue on the right side uh, of that pairing. But, uh, I mean, it's a huge step. It would be a huge step for the young man at this stage of the game. Uh, he hasn't played a ton of advanced competition in his life. So, you know, one would think he is going to get onto the ice of an NHL training camp and be a little overwhelmed. But he's also talented enough that, uh, you know, maybe he's one of these uh, coolest cucumber customers and uh, and surprises us and makes the team out of camp. I mean, you look at Travis's history with young players, I'd probably bet against that. I think, you know, Rathbone would have to leave no doubt, answer every single question before they'd be uh, – throwing them in the opening night lineup. Um, but based on the surrounding competition, which, let's face it, is not exactly uh, uh, not ex- 
it's it's replacement level, right? Like yeah. you, you don't even know it is. You almost even don't know what level it is. So uh, <laughs> it's not like he's in a field. Uh, it's not like he's in a deep field yeah. or anything like that. No. Matt, I mean, you know, we're talking about replacement level here, and it kind of per- works perfectly into my next question, which is, are we really in danger of seeing Louis Erickson in the top six on opening night? Because when well, I look at this lineup, that's kind of what I'm seeing here. We might be seeing that with loads of holding. Unless Jake does, unless Vertanen does something really stupid to get on the wrong side of Travis. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't yeah. think they do it on opening night. David, but I think they could do it at some point next year. Yeah. And of course, as uh, you know, some of our listeners are gleefully pointing out now, we're yeah. uh, what, 30 games away from the thousand yeah. yeah. like yeah. silver stick silver ceremony. Stick. Oh. For, like, could you imagine the bruise? <laughs> um, it, it'd almost be animal cruelty to do it, like poor Louie. Um, you know, because uh, God, you know, the first game of Roger Arena scores on his own net, and he has just been so snake bit since then. And he's such, I wouldn't think was such a good player, right? Uh, so, yeah, not on opening night. I honestly think he'd go a multitude of other directions before he goes there. Um, but I do think it is possible next year. Yeah, they can't move the contract. That much is clear, right? Yeah. Like, whatever it's going to cost them in a trade to move the contract is still way above what they're willing to pay. So, the question becomes, do you bury him in the minors? There's no minors, per se. So, you can't force his hand with yeah. bus trips from Utica to Syracuse. Um, you know, he's getting all his money. Um, and he's a penalty killer, and you don't have penalty killers. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's a good chance he makes the team. Um, if not, you know, into the lineup on night one at some point on the Vancouver Canucks playing games and maybe even, yes, opposite for all again. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. We really enjoyed having you on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Are we done? I believe so. Faber's been giving me the signal. He says 35 Uh, minutes. (laughs) All right. Well, fellas, uh, happy to do it. It uh, felt like 35 seconds. Conversation was so easy. Absolutely, Matt. Well, uh, have a good uh, trip on your weekend here, and uh, hopefully everything goes well with where you're traveling to. Okay, thanks, Faber. Thanks, Quadrelli. Uh, thank you. you when it gets posted. And thank you very much to Matt Zakaris for joining us there. Big shout-out to the two sponsors as well, Zephyr Epic and, of course, Mike's Hard Lemonade. The Harders, you know what? They actually just came out. I mentioned it in the ad that we recorded a week ago. They just dropped that new flavor. It's a black cherry uh, have you ever had a black mm. cherry type of alcohol quads? Because it's it's one of the most. I think it's a delicious one. It got it, it's a good yeah. balance between that and then some alcohol. Which one have you tried? I've tried the neutral seven, right? Hashtag yeah. sponsored content, and I've had the white claw one as well. It's my favorite fa- flavor of white claw. I think. Ah, uh, okay. Well, we don't drink white claws anymore. That's that's nope. That's uh, that's old, old only, news. Baby. Neutral sevens is the way to go. Neutral seven. You're not even having neutral because they have neutral fives, right? You know, like neutral. The regular one is a five. Oh, you're just going straight that. to the straight to the sevens. I like it. Uh, all yeah. right, so uh, yeah, big shout out to Matt for joining us there. Fun conversation. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully, the audio turned out okay um, as you listened. But I want to get into prospects now as we wrap up. A lot of stuff going on and a little bit of stuff going on as well. There's a lot going on for a little amount of people. Um, Archer Silovs, you just wrote uh, the prospects ranking for Canucks Army about him, and he is playing for Latvia's national team right now. That was exciting to see. I watched a little bit of the game. I didn't see the full game. I saw the second half of it or so, uh, just because I, I didn't even really think that he would be Latvia's starting goaltender, but he, he is, so that's impressive to see. And, man, I'm telling you, Quads, I, I saw him at training camp, and I've told you this for a long time. I thought he looked extremely well at training camp. He looked better than, than any of the other goaltenders that are kind of not really named Mikey DiPietro, Jacob Markstrom, or Thatcher Demko. He looked to be, you know, almost in that tier. Those guys really liked what I saw in Victoria. But, like, he looks bigger. Like, he looks bigger and, like, he's yep. gained a little bit, and he is looking like a big goaltender. Like, solid six foot four, two 200-plus pounds for sure. Okay, so when he was drafted, he was listed at six foot four, two hundred five. Right? He was still growing. Like that was the book on him was that he was still growing. So yeah, not only would he look bigger because he may have actually just grown and you know continued to fill out his body, um, 
the big thing is he's narrowed his stance and he's been working at that like since his draft year. So here's the here's the thing about that. Like he, people who've listened to this podcast and have heard me talk about goaltenders and you know talking with Kevin Woodley on this show as well, you know how much I talk about the how necessary it is to keep a narrow stance, right? Like this is something Ian Clark worked with with Jacob Markstrom, instilled similar changes in Sergey Bobrovsky in his time in Columbus. This is something that it's taking time to learn. Like these guys are in the NHL already succeeding and then they're learning how to do it, right? Like you look at a guy with a wide stance like Matt Murray, right? Like the NHL's changed, the NHL's adjusted and now they're it's more east-west and that's why Matt Murray struggled because he's such a wide stance. So he needs to narrow that stance much like Solovs did, but Solovs or Solovs, Solovs figured it out in his draft year. Like he was already starting to do it because his stance was so wide and in the MHL, you can do that. You know, the guy posted unreal numbers. I think he had a 921 save percentage in M- MHL action. Uh, you know, that's not easy to do. So that was fine in the uh, in the M- MHL, but he recognized that to make it to that next level, even OHL, no, the North American game is like that. Even in the OHL, he needed to narrow his stance. So he started to do it. It didn't happen overnight. He still is a bit, bit too wide. He's going to want to keep working on it. But man, this guy has so much upside and man, like a lot of people don't talk about him. Like when I was talking to Woodley about him, he didn't really have too much to say because he just hasn't seen him that much. But man, like this guy has so much upside. And to your point, Chris, like when you narrow your stance, you look so much bigger. Like when you, when you look at videos of Salavs in his draft year, right? He doesn't look big in the net. Like he, he looks like a big dude. Man, he is so low to the ground, and his his legs are really long. So his legs are really long, and they're very far apart. So that bottom of the net is sealed off. That's not going to change, right? He's so quick getting to the butterfly. The problem is he's got to seal off the top of the net better. He's he's got a really good glove. That's another thing that I noticed. He's got a really quick glove hand. Uh, but again, like you're still leaving yourself exposed. And NHL shooters, even AHL shooters for that matter are going to be able to kind of abuse that if he leaves it open. So he's going to have to continue working. He's still a long ways away from being an NHL goaltender. But man, when you talk about the prospect pipeline here, like that's that's a nice little feather in the Canucks cap. Absolutely. And you know what? It was something that that it, it's it's hard. Like the interview that we were having with Sakaris, it was kind of hard to go back and forth with him. But that is one thing that I wanted to push back on was the way that he was talking about the Canucks kind of needed to keep Jacob Markstrom. And I really thought that the Canucks, the way that they're moving forward with their goaltenders, it was a tough decision for sure just to let Jacob Markstrom walk and go with Thatcher Demko. But when you have guys like Mikey DiPietro and you have guys like Archer Sillos and you have a goalie coach in Ian Clark who helped you pick those guys, like it, it just seems like that is a goaltending group that I feel very comfortable with. Let's let's remember, Archer Sillos is 19 years old. Like he's 19 years old. He's eligible to play in the World Juniors if Latvia was in the World Juniors this year. Like, this mm-hmm. is crazy. He's he's Pod Colson's age, right? Like, he's a very young player. Um, and I think that, yeah, just seeing him develop, it's it's going to be a while before we start to see him play in, like, a major, you know, effective league. Potentially, he's going to be in the KHL for a couple of years. But if he's able to continue to develop, like, there there's a lot to like in this kid. And having Mikey DiPietro already a couple years ahead of him, like, a few years ahead of him for sure, he's already an AHL starter. So I think that, you know, even though Matt was saying it, it's tough for the Canucks to lose Mark, Markstrom, and I think he said it was the wrong choice. Um, but I just I don't think that that's correct at all. I, I really think that though you you let Markstrom walk, and I think the thing that Matt brought up was that you know the Canucks should have got him at five point five for maybe five years. That's a lot of money investing into a goalie who's going to be moving into his thirties. And I think the Canucks made the right decision with what they did this off season. So I just wanted to you know it's hard to push back against him in the interview, and I didn't want to just lay down and take it. So I wanted to at least give my two bits on it here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the thing is like, I, I get where Matt's coming from. Like the Canucks are undoubtedly, they're undoubtedly going to be worse next year in goal. But if they clean it up in front, in front of their goaltender with a little bit better defense, like there's no reason that what Thatcher Demko was able to do against Vegas isn't somewhat sustainable. Now, he's not going to make 40 plus saves and have performances that are talked about for eons after like he did against Vegas. It's not going to happen every night. But if they just play defense in front of him, they can do much better. And that's, that goes for Braden Holpe too. Like a lot of people yeah. point out that Holpe didn't have a good year last year. The Washington Capitals were the worst defensive environment for any goaltender. His expected save percentage was 870. Again, I'm getting all these from ClearSight Analytics and Kevin Woodley. But 
He was in the worst. Like, you think the Canucks defense is bad. The Capitals were the worst. The bottom of the league. Nobody was worse. There was not a worse defensive environment for a goaltender to play in in the NHL. And Holtby did it. So, you put him in a better situation in Vancouver, even if the Canucks play like they did last year, which wasn't good, don't get me wrong. It's still a better situation than Holtby was in. So, I don't know. You pair that with a good goalie coach. Like, I don't mind this gamble from the Canucks. And it, it is a gamble. Absolutely. Call it what it is. It's a gamble. It's You're, you're betting on Thatcher Demko, your goalie of the future. But listen, you had to take that gamble at some point, And I think it was the right time for the Canucks to take it. But that being said, again, I totally understand where Matt's coming from. Like, Jacob Markstrom was a top two goaltender in the league. So, you know. I totally get it. Markstrom probably has a Vesna trophy in, in his near future if he stays with the Canucks. Maybe he even does in Calgary. Who knows, right? So, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But again, like when it comes to the goaltending situation, I, I don't hate what the Canucks did. I just think that looking two years from now, when you want to project this team as a, a team that can compete for the Cup, when you have contracts like Louis Erickson's off the books, Jay Beagle's off the books, you know, Brandon Sutter's off the books, Antoine Roussel off the book, like when you have those start to come off, to, to think that you don't have to have the $6 million or the 5.5 to Jacob Markstrom, you know, potentially you see what Thatcher Demko earns himself in three years, and that's going to be interesting because it's it's going to be what the split's going to be like between him and Holtby this season that determines what Demko gets paid because he's also up for a contract after next year, right? So that's going to be interesting to what his contract comes in that. But I just think that the way that the goaltending pipeline has been set up, I think that moving on from Markstrom was the right idea just because of the age group of these goaltenders coming in and the age group of the core of this Vancouver Canucks team. So I'm I'm very fine with what they did and not paying Jacob Markstrom a five- or six-year deal and forcing their hand and forcing them to have to trade Thatcher Demko or lose him for nothing in the expansion draft because they're, like, no matter what you hear, there was simply no chance that Jacob Markstrom was not going to have a no or he his contract needed to have a no-move clause in it. Because he's not going up in the expansion draft and going to Seattle. That's just simply not going to happen, no matter what you heard. Yeah, and on that note, you know, something Kevin Woodley said on this show is you don't you don't give term to goaltenders. Even even him who loves goaltenders and he talks about yeah, them I all think, the time. Didn't he say he was going to get his goaltender card taken away for saying that on the show? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that is what he said. But he, he's absolutely right, man. The position fluctuates too much. The league changes too much. It's an ever-changing league. People change the way they attack. So, you know, anything over four years I don't think was a good bet for the Canucks with Markstrom. So, I don't know, yeah. like... We've talked about the Holtby contract ad nauseum. Like, we just, you know, we beat this drum for so long that the Canucks made the right decision here. So, I don't know. Like, we didn't have enough kind of time to push back on Matt. But, you know, Matt's Matt's absolutely right that the Canucks are going to be... The Canucks will be better off with Markstrom next year. It's just, I worry about the last two years of that five-year deal. Yeah, I would worry about the situation that it puts them in with Demko and Markstrom, though, right? Like, that's that's yep, what that I'm too. worried about. You know, that that would be that's next year you're starting to worry about that. And I don't think Demko would return you enough just from what he did in the playoffs to make it worthwhile. So I really think that they made the right move, uh, not paying Jacob Markstrom over five point five million dollars. But we'll wrap it up there. Um I just wanted to quickly do a prospects update. Vasily Pod Colson led Team Russia's U twenty team in the Karhala Cup in ice time out of forward. So it was beautiful to see that. He's the captain of that U-20 team. He was getting time on the power play unit. He was killing penalties. He looks good at number 19. You know, unretired number 19 for the Canucks. Let the kid come over and wear it. Or 92. He's going to look good in 92 anyways, anyway, when he gets over here. But that was great to see Vasily Podkolzin play. He's going to be playing at 3.30 on Saturday morning, which means I am waking up early tomorrow, I just realized. So that sucks. <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, in wait, that wait. game... Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say number 19 is not retired? No, unretire it. Oh, unretired. I thought you called it unretired number 19. Like, he should just come in and wear it. I'm like, dude, Naslin's jersey's up there. No, they should unretire 19 and give it to him because he looks right. good at 19. And I lo- like I grew up loving Marcus Naslin. Uh, number 19 was just great to see skate around in a Canucks so jersey, much but so give it to my boy Pods. Unretire his jersey. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on, I'm on that train now. I think a lot of people are on the on like that. Mark, uh, Marcus Naslin's number shouldn't be retired. I think a lot of people That's are fair. on that train. I don't know if I'm on that train because I grew up in that era. So like, 
that was when I fell in love with the Canucks. So it's hard for me to say that they should unretire, yeah, even though I yeah. just said it like two minutes ago on the podcast. But <laughs> like, like I, I'm fine with him being out there. We'll we'll get to that on another day. But um, yeah, aside from Pod Colson, he's going to be playing another game on Saturday morning. Excited for that. But Dmitry Zlodiev, uh, he was slated as the fifth center. He also came in as the thirteenth forward in that game that they played on what was it now Wednesday? I believe Wednesday morning. Uh, so he, he did get some ice time late in the game. His first shift was on the penalty kill with like five minutes remaining in the third period. He got a couple penalty killing shifts and then he actually got time on the power play as well. Looked a little bit out of place because uh, he was playing in the bumper position, which is a spot that I just, I have not seen him play at all at the VHL or the MHL level. Looked just like a little bit, not really engaged in the play. But then again, bumper position players sometimes just happen to look like that if they're not, you know, getting passes absolutely fed to them at all times. So uh, I'm excited to see him continue on. I want Zodiac to get a little bit more ice time. I don't think like I was I've watched the game pretty closely and if Zodiac was on the ice I was gonna pay 100% attention to him I don't think that he got a five on five shift um, in that game but we'll see what happens here moving into the future and Pod Colson like I said led the team in ice time looked excellent had uh, two assists in that game had a beautiful setup to to make the primary assist on the first goal that he assisted on and yeah I, I just I'm expecting him to have a really good tournament here and do everything that he can to dominate the U20s at the World Juniors this December that starts on Christmas Day so uh, that's all I got for a prospects report anything else you want to talk about before we close out the episode quads no, I'm just excited to play more Warzone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take a quick little uh, food break here, and then we'll get right back on the stream. So um, for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.